Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class is sponsored by Yael Shammai, dedicated in honor of her husband, Yosef Shammai ben Yafa, on his birthday, and for the refuah of Yael Shammai bat Aviva. El Narefanala, El Narefanala, El Narefanala. Breakfast in the Class also dedicated in loving memory of Mara Seten Alava Shalom, Lilunishmat Moshe ben Adel, by the Edmund J. Safra Synagogue. Looking forward to welcoming you back, Sammy. Be'ezrat uh, tomorrow. Breakfast in the class also dedicated in celebration of the engagement on Sunday evening of Isaac Syed to Esther Haddad, daughter of Rishi and James Haddad, sponsored by Isaac's mom, Rochelle Syed. Be'ezrat Hashem should bring tremendous nachat to the family. Finally, breakfast in the class dedicated in loving memory of Lilian Shema David Ben Naima, sponsored by the Aaron family, family and the week of Cobra was sponsored by David E. Ash in the honor of you and me and the entire human, and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. My friends, I want to share with you something that I think is beautiful. One of my favorite sefarim, one of my favorite books is a sefer called Shem Mishmuel. It's not an easy sefer, it's a little complicated, it's sometimes uh, esoteric, uh, but always interesting and always very deep. And I want to share with you one idea that I found very interesting. So Yitro comes into the, to the, uh, to the desert. And he says as follows. The Pasuk says, He takes Moshe's wife, Tzipora. He takes the two sons, Gershom and Eliezer. And he brings them, He comes the father-in-law of Moshe comes to the desert, to the camp of the Jewish people. Vayomer el Moshe, and he sends a message to Moshe. Ani chotencha yitro ba'elecha. I am your father-in-law. I've come to you. Ve'ishtecha u'shnei banei ima with your wife and two children. Vayetzem Moshe likrat choteno. Moshe comes out to greet his father-in-law. Ve'ishtachu, and he bowed to him. Ve'ishaklo, and he kissed him. And each man asked his friend uh, about their peace, how they were doing. Now, it's interesting because the Midrash says that when Moshe came out to Yitro and when Yitro asked Moshe to come out, there was an interesting conversation that took place. He said to Moshe, I am your father-in-law, right? And I have with you, with your daughter and your two sons. If you're not willing to come out to greet me, come out for your wife. And if you won't come out for your wife, come out for the sake of your two, of her two sons. So it's an interesting concept here that we're talking about. What is Yitro saying? Come out to greet me. Come, if you're not going to come for me, come for your wife. If you're not going to come for your wife, come for, your two, for her two children, right? What is he asking Moshe? Is all this, like, you know, I remember once I flew to Israel for a simcha for somebody, and they said, Rabbi, what time is your flight arriving? Da -da -da -da, we're going to arrange everything. Anyway, I told them what time the flight's arriving. I get to the end of the plane. You know when you step off the plane, and there's, there's someone waiting there with a wheelchair, right? So there's someone standing next to the guy with the wheelchair with a big sign, 
And it says, Farhi. Never in my life was I so important as those five seconds. Everyone's walking off, they're looking, who's the guy, Farhi, in the sign? And it was me. <laughs> and the guy takes me right off the jetway into a van, circumnavigates the whole thing. Why did he give me this great kavod? It wasn't kavod. The wedding was so close to the landing time that if they didn't get me through security right away, I would have missed the wedding that they were asking me to come perform in Israel. So they needed me to get there. But for those 10 seconds, I felt khashubi, like all those other people, the people that they yeah, have somebody waiting for them. Is this what Yitro's feeling? He wants Moshe to be waiting for them at the airport with the sign, you know, Yitro, Tzipora, you know, the kids, balloons. Is that what he wants? You traveled all the way to the desert, traveled 10 more yards into the camp. Go, go to Moshe, you know, what's the deal here? Not only that, he's asking Moshe to, um, what's it called, to come to him? Why is, is he this obsessed with kavod? We know Yitro as a person who chases emet, not as a person who's rodef kavod, who runs after kavod. And the answer is a very beautiful answer. <clears throat> we find that Yitro, Moshe actually does go out for Yitro. He does go. But then he does something interesting. He comes out and he bows to him. Why is Moshe bowing to Yitro? When Yaakov bows to Esav, it's because his life's in danger. He wants to be able to communicate to him some sort of subservience, so he bows to him. Yaakov, right, you know, we imagine you, something's bow, someone's bowing to Paro, the brother's bowing to Yosef. What in the world is Moshe doing bowing to Yitro, this non-Jewish, you know, priest? Good, he's his father-in-law. But still, What's happening here? And not only that, if there's some level of power imbalance between Moshe and Yitro, it doesn't seem that way from the Pasuk, because the Pasuk says, And each one, each man asked his friend, how they're doing, what's going on. So you see the Pasuk says that they were on equal footing, on equal level. What is going on over here? I want to ask you one last question. The last question is, Let's listen to Yitro for a second. Come out for me. And if you won't come out for me, come out for? Your wife. And if you won't come out for your wife, what would you say? For your kids. Like if I'm not important enough, and your wife's not important enough, who's going to be important enough? Maybe your children. But that's not what Yitro says. He says, come out, begin, Baneha, come out for her children. If she's not important enough, and these are only, not my kids, they're her kids, so that, that's, the, that's an illogical reason to say to Moshe to come out as a highest trump card in, in the persuasion deck. And the answer, my friends, all, to all these questions is the same. What Yutro is asking is something very specific. Yitro was asking Moshe, he said to him, look, I'm coming to join the Jewish people, but I don't know anything. So if you're there on the mountain, if you're there in the Machane Leviyah, if you're there on the dais teaching everybody, he says, I'll never learn. I need you to come out towards me. I need you to come to my level, to be where I am, to be able to draw me in. 
And if Yitro says, you're not interested in drawing me in, right? Because Judaism, we know, doesn't reach out necessarily to uh, people who are not Jewish to try and bring them to conversion. Tzipora, your wife already converted. And she's missed a lot of the action and the emunah that all of the Jewish people have built up come out for her. Come towards her. Lower yourself for her. And if you won't do it for her, then do it begin baneha. If you think that she's an adult, she could have made the choice herself. It was up to her to be mitkarev, to the shekhinah, to say, I'm going to come to Egypt, I'm going to join, whatever it is. Begin baneha. What about the kids? The kids didn't make those choices. They grew up over here. So he's explaining to him on all different levels this idea, this concept of bringing himself down to their level. And that's why Moshe came out. And what does he do? Vayishtahu, says the Shem Ishmuel. He explains that the concept is that Moshe was lowering himself to be able to say to Yitro, I'm here with you. He say to his wife, to say to his kids, I'm here with you. I'm not on the mountaintop. I'm not the sage on the stage. You know, I'm the pop in the shop. Right? If that's a thing, I just made that one up. Okay? I'm here. I'm with you. Whatever questions you have. You know? Let me add uh, one, more, one more point. Because <clears throat> I think that this is very beautiful. We find an example of this exact concept in another place. But first, I want to share what happens after that. First he bows to his father-in-law and then he kisses him. Why does he bow and then give him a kiss? Elder. Sorry? Respect. Respect. One idea. Elder. Maybe you should kiss him first then. The Shem Yishmuel gives an unbelievable insight. Listen to what he says. He says that first this level of bowing was Moshe lowering himself to Yitro. But in physical terms, a kiss between people, kissing someone means a level of closeness. It's why we said the halakha, a person is not allowed to kiss his children in the Bet Knesset. Did you know that? Not allowed. Half the time your kid does something very cute, they're praying next to you, you want to give them a kiss? I always have to stop myself. Not allowed to kiss your children in the Bet Knesset. A child is not allowed to kiss his father in the Bet Knesset. The only way a child's allowed to kiss his father back is if it's derech kavod. So your father went up for aliyah, you went up for aliyah, they give a kiss on each side, mafiashi, no problem. Mafiashi means no problem, okay? Why? Why no problem? Because that's not love and connection, that's kavod. You have to kiss their hand, you have to kiss them on the cheek. But to kiss someone derech chiba, to show love and closeness, it's inappropriate in the place of the Beit Knesset. It's a place of closest to God where we should illustrate or demonstrate closest to some, something other than God Himself. Are you allowed to give a kiss like this and that to a stranger? Also no problem. Syrians, Sepharadim, we kiss on each cheek as a way of greeting. It's an Arabic, uh, you know, the, 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 that's the Arabic culture. So if someone's doing it in a way of greeting, also no problem. But to kiss somebody with an element of closest, Asur. So what is, when you give someone a kiss, it illustrates, demonstrates, Kirva demonstrates closeness. What Moshe was saying to Yitro is, I'm a prophet of God. You want to join the people? No problem. I'm coming down to your level. Not only that, he says, I want to be close to you. I want you to feel not only that I'm here, that I'm coming to teach you Aleph bit when you need, 
Not only that I'm here, that you can ask me any of your simple questions. All the time I get people calling me. It drives me crazy. Not that they're calling me. I love that they're calling me. Baruch Hashem. I get the phone call. Hello, Rabbi Fari. Yes. Uh, I'm so sorry to bother you. You're probably so busy. That's one of my pet peeves. Why are you telling me that you know I'm so busy and you're calling me? Not that I'm bothered that they're calling me because I'm busy. You know what I'm bothered by? I always say to them, what do you think I'm busy with? This, this is what I'm busy with. This is the job to be able to answer the questions that people have. It's not the job to become a bona fide and free therapist. That's not the job. But it is the job to be able to answer people's questions. And people call invariably and they'll say, Rabbi, it's, I'm sure it's probably a stupid question. I can't pet peeve. It's not a stupid question. If you don't know the answer, it's a very important question. It's the most important question you could ask me right now is the question you're describing is stupid. You're trying to fulfill the halakha. How many classes do you give? How many hours do you spend trying to inspire someone, trying to convince someone to keep halakha. Here's a guy who's trying to keep halakha. He's like, I'm sure that this is very annoying for you. This is a pleasure. Moshe tells Yitro, anything you need. He kissed him to show him, drew him close. That was the kissing, that was the idea. Where do we find this concept? Powerful. That there's a connection between, that you create connection by giving someone a kiss, both uh, you know, in terms of showing someone affection, physical affection, when obviously when it's mutar, when it's appropriate, okay? We find it by root. Root and Orpah are sisters-in-law. They are married to Machlon Michilion. They're married to the two sons of Naomi. Naomi's husband, Avimelech, dies, and then the two sons also die. Now she's left with no husband. She's left with no sons. She has no money. She's in a foreign land. And who does she got? She has her daughters-in-law. She tells him, I don't have any more kids. I'm going to go back to where I came from. And they say, we're going to go with you. And what does she do? Vayishak and Naomi kisses. Okay? She kisses her, the daughters-in-law. Vayisu kolan. And they raise their voice and they cry all of them. What was Naomi doing? Naomi was giving them a sense, telling them, you don't have to come with me. I don't have any more sons for you. There's no one, even if I had another son to do yibum process, it's not mafiash, nothing, I don't have. But, she said, if you feel close to me, if you want to. So she kissed them to, to draw them close, to connect on a spiritual level, Right? That also, when a person has a closeness to someone, they're connecting on a nishama level, on a spiritual level. So it's fascinating. Listen what Hashem Yishmur says. What, is ha what happens? Orpa, she don't want to go. Vayishak orpa lechamota. She returned the kiss. I don't want it. And then she turns her back and she goes. Interestingly enough, her name is what she did. Orpa, she turns. Oref means the back of the neck. She turns the back of the neck to her mother-in-law and leaves. Ruth, on the other hand, what does Ruth do? Virut davka ba. So for Ruth, she doesn't kiss her. 
But she does what the point was, that she there was a, create, a connection created between the two of them. And they became legit like a mother and a daughter. They became so close. <clears throat> and that's why the Pasuk says after that, and they went, the two of them, until they came to, ba- until they came to Be'er Sheva. This concept of the two of them going together shows that now they were on equal footing. That's what the Pasuk over here means. That after bowing to Yitro, coming to his level, after showing him that closeness, by giving him that kiss, what happens? All of a sudden now they're speaking to one another. Even though there was this giant discrepancy between them, all of a sudden now, like the Pasuk says, Now they're asking, they're chatting, how you doing? How you doing? Like, could you imagine going, getting a meeting with the President of the United States of America? You sit down with him, what are you going to say? It's very, it's a big problem what we have in the synagogues. People being shot, hostages being taken, rabbis have to throw chairs, we're not in the furniture business, etc. Okay? You discuss something very important. There's a shifting policy towards Israel, you might, you know, you're going to use every second. Please stop trying to make us a communist country. Things like that you might want to say to the President of the United States. <clears throat> right? But listen, guys, could you imagine you get that audience and you're like, uh, hey, what's going on? How about them Knicks? You know, what's the weather been like here in D.C.? You know, <laughs> you know no one's going to shoot the breeze with the President of the United States. Moshe, right now, Think about this. He's the most powerful person in the world. He just brought the world's superpower to its knees, took the Jews out, split the seat. This guy's on a roll. You know, they have the, the sometimes the sports, they have last 10 games. You know, Moshe's 10 and 0. <laughs> All 10 he's won. He's like he's rolling. He's turning sweet, you know, bitter water sweet. He's bringing manna down from the heavens. You know, Did you imagine you meet someone? What's going on here? The answer is that Moshe was so successful in making his father-in-law feel comfortable in bowing to him, in kissing him, in coming to him where he was, that Yitro had the feeling like this is my mate. Did you see the soccer game last night? You understand? My friends, I want to end with one last point because I think that there's something here which is super powerful. I mean, just on, as an aside, just because it's interesting. Our rabbis tell us that the greatest tzaddikim, they die, they leave this world often with no pain. It's called mitat nishika, Death by a kiss brings the concept sealed with a kiss to a whole new meaning, okay? A person who's such a sadiq, they don't die in a horrible way necessarily. They pass away nishika. And the Chachamim explained that what that is, is that God comes, so to speak, Hashem's spirit comes, and He gives the nishama of the sadiq a kiss. The power of that connection is so strong that the nishama cleaves to God. And instead of it being a difficult process, it becomes a process which is almost seamless. 
The neshama is reunited almost with its it reunites with its source instantaneously. And that's what it says, Moshe Rabbeinu saw that Aharon passed away that way. He said, I want that for me. This is all very high and mighty. All very high fluting and high tooting. To use a phrase that has not been used in 50 years. Just kind of want to dust that off, pull that out for the Rabbi Scrabble game. You know what the answer is? You know what the point of this is? It teaches the importance of hishtavut. Hishtavut means finding common space with someone. Look at what happens when Moshe comes towards Moshe, when Moshe comes towards Yitro. Look at what he achieves with him. A man who was never satisfied with any religion, jumping from one Abu Dazara to the next. He makes him into a lifelong adherent to Judaism. So much so that the rabbis tell us that the great-grandchildren of Yitro sit on the Sanhedrin. How did he do that? By making him feel comfortable. They tell a story about Rav Aaron Cutler that I just recently read. There was a young boy who joined the yeshiva who really didn't know exactly what was going on, didn't really learn so much, didn't know so much, but he really wanted to be there. Anyway, at the Shabbat table, <clears throat> Rav Aaron is uh, talking to this one, uh, he's saying divrei Torah like this, like that, and he turns to this boy and he says, you know, tell me about your city, what's it like, well, you know, what's the culture like, do they have any Jewish restaurants? Gadol Hador, he's asking about kosher delight. Whole conversation, back, forth, the kid comes to life, oh, you don't know, the food, the akel, the, it's amazing, that this, that that, you know, there's a great... Uh, I don't know, opera house, I don't know what he said, whatever he said. It was years later that this boy who became one of the stars of the yeshiva, years later, when he came back as a full-fledged boy, you know, uh, student, when he understood who his rabbi was, when he came back to the Shabbat table, he realized that there was never a time that Aaron would speak at his Shabbat table anything other than words of Torah. And instead here, he's having this whole conversation with him about his city, about the food, about the community. And he's getting everyone else involved in this conversation just so that this kid could be the star of the show. For one minute. And that's enough. You know, what Yitro says, what Yitro says to, to Moshe is... is it's powerful Musar. He says, I know how high you are. He says, but, but do it for me. Because it doesn't help me how high you are. It hurts me. It doesn't help your wife how high you are. It hurts her. It doesn't help your children. It doesn't help her children. Remember, they didn't grow up with this. They come from that city. Come and talk to them about kosher delight. There was a boy who uh, was a Jewish kid. His father was Native American. Always grew up, you know, in that kind of world. Maybe grew up even on a reservation. You know, didn't really know much. But finds out at a later point in life that his mother's Jewish. And actually that means that halakhically he's Jewish. 
So he comes into Shar Yashav, he Googles Yeshiva, you know, or he looks it up in the phone book. He comes to the, the Yeshiva. Anyway, he walks into the rabbi's office and he tells him his story. He says, you know, I'm thinking about learning a little bit more about Judaism. And the rabbi starts asking him, you know, where are you from? What kind of, you know, oh, that's so interesting. Tell me about, uh, you know, Native American. What's your tribal name? You know, what kind of tribe do you come from? Da, da, da. What's the difference? Anyway, this guy is like, wow, this rabbi's so interested. All everyone else is asking me if I'm ready to keep Shabbat. <laughs> everyone else is asking me, you know, if I want to marry a Jewish girl. This guy's interested in talking about my past about my family, wow, amazing. And then he comes back the next time and the rabbi is explaining, you know, this so, the, the, it's so interesting because of this tribe and they have this and that tribe, they have that. And he can't believe the rabbi is so knowledgeable in Native American culture and traditions. And every day for the first you know, week, they're talking for hours about the thing. One day he comes to the rabbi's office and he gets there before the rabbi arrives for his meeting. And as he's sitting in the office, he notices something colorful catches his eye on the floor, under the rabbi's desk. And he looks around the desk and he sees under the, the rabbi's desk is a book, Native American Customs and Traditions and Cults, right? <laughs> for dummies, I don't know, right? What was the rabbi doing? The rabbi was reading up on something that would be interesting for him, something that would show him that he valued him. He valued his past. Where'd the rabbi put the book? It's not on the shelf. It's talking about pagan cultures. It wasn't something he respected. It wasn't something that was meaningful to him. It's on the floor. But it was meaningful to him because it was meaningful to the student. Sometimes a person, if they want to draw someone close, they have to figure out how to make what's meaningful What's important for the other person, for your wife, what's important for your kids, important for you. The kid is sitting there asking you if they should get this boots or those boots. That's a special reference for my daughter. If they should get this game or this game. If they should get this, you know, Switch, Nintendo Switch or the other one. You don't care. Get whichever one you want. Wrong answer. Wrong Answer. What's the right answer? What do you think? Which one? Oh, which, this one is the colors. How many? Pro so why is this one better than that one? Why is this one better than that one? Oh, so that's the good one. Okay. So we have to go find that one. Let's go find that one. Those two minutes. And, and don't fake it like you're in engaged. Don't fake it like it matters. No, a long time I didn't understand this. Have a conversation with your wife, with your kids. And you know, they're asking you, well, what about this? What about you? What, what if we do this? I don't want to do that because of that. What about this? Yeah, I have another idea. And I don't want to do that because of this. You're like, look, you came to me for an idea. I'm giving you ideas. You don't want to listen to any of them. What was meaningful for them was that they engaged in this conversation with you. And it might be, actually, sorry to bruise your uh, gentle, your uh, fragile male egos. It might be that they actually have more insight into this than you, and they did not come to you for you to tell them in three seconds what you think about their problem that they've been thinking about for all day or all week. But the illustration that you have the time to listen to it, to go through the different sides and not say, get to the bottom line, come on, what's the point here? Right? What's the point? You missed the point. The point was not the point. Isn't that obvious? And this is what we're learning 
from Yitro asking Moshe, can I just say one thing? Your wife is not Yitro. And your children are not Yitro. Yitro was a truth seeker. So he was unabashed in asking for what he needs. Your wife will not ask you to do this. And your children will not ask you to do this. Please come out to me. Your husband will not ask you to do this. Yitro asked you to do this. It's okay because Yitro is healthy enough to be able to say, I'm here, you're here. I don't feel, I feel inadequate next to you. I feel insufficient next to you. People don't say those things. God bless Yitro that he said it. And I think that's what Yitro is saying to him. If you won't come out for me, come out for your wife because you know what? I've asked you. She needs you too and she won't ask. The kids, they're dying. They need you even more. Come out for them. Come down off the horse for them, off the mountain. Hashem should bless us always to be sensitive uh, to the unasked questions and to the much needed closeness uh, for those that are dear, that are near to us in our life. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen. Rabbi